Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, February 9th, 2018. Our weekly guest on the show is Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, who joins me today from PW's New York headquarters. Welcome, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So this week, Andrew, the Association of American Publishers reported final industry-wide sales figures for the first three quarters of 2017. At the risk of repetition, the past year is emerging as another flat year for publishers. That's right. Now that it's uh, into February here, the AAP has released its sales, and they go up through September of 2017, and they do indeed show that sales of adult trade books inched up just about four-tenths of one percent for the first nine months of the year over the same period in 2016. So, as you say, basically flat. The figures are, of course, according to estimates released by the AAP's StatShot program. Uh, In the adult segment, hardcovers were up about 7% over the first nine months of 2016, but mass market paperbacks and trade paperbacks dropped 13% and 1.3% respectively. That 13% for mass market just continues a long trend of mass market paperbacks really just tanking. Downloadable audio continues to really show strong, strong growth, up another 24 and ebook sales continued to fall down 5.5% in the January to September span. Uh, that publishers reported results to the AAP. And that's actually good news because over the last few years, we've been reporting rates of decline that were significantly greater. So looking for a silver lining here, at least the rate of decline in digital sales is beginning to slow. Uh, And of course, AAP tracks sales across all sectors. And overall, AAP reports that it's uh, overall publishing, it's all sectors, professional, educational, etc., that sales were down about five-tenths of a percent. So up four-tenths of a percent on the trade side, down five-tenths of a percent overall, so basically flat. Indeed, and in Washington on Thursday at the annual meeting of AAP's Professional and Scholarly Publishing Division, the winners of this year's Prose Awards for Excellence in Scholarly Publishing were announced. I was part of the awards luncheon audience, and I had to marvel at the remarkable range of works coming from publishers large and small. Yeah, so you'll definitely have to tell us a little bit about that. But, you know, I'll weigh in on the Prose Awards here because I've covered them quite a bit over the years, and they really are a terrific award. And I'm admittedly a little biased because I was a scholarly publisher for years before I began writing about publishing first time. I was uh, a history editor with Oxford University Press here in New York. It's still one of the greatest jobs I ever had. So I'm always happy to see the great work of academic publishers recognized. Uh, And the Prose Awards recognize a lot of great academic works. In all this year, publishers submitted more than 550 scholarly works for consideration in 51 categories within five areas. That's biological and life sciences, humanities, uh, physical science and math, uh, reference works, and social sciences. That's it. That's the last one. And there are dozens of categories, of course, and you can see all the winners on the PW site. Uh, We've listed them there through the AAP. And of course, congratulations goes to Bloomsbury for winning the big prize, the R.R. Hawkins Award, for its Arcadian Library Online, which, uh, and this is a little hard to believe in 2018, this is the first time a digital product has actually won the Hawkins Prize, which is the the top honor at the Prose Awards. Uh, And now I have to ask you, because you were there, um, I'm interested to know your impressions. Well, at PSP, a discussion on the rise of the machines really generated some buzz with the audience, Andrew, particularly regarding the need for publishers and others to be watchful 
skeptical about the way their data is used. And significantly, I had uh, noticed that a meeting in San Francisco also this week uh, on Tuesday of many leading Silicon Valley companies was considering a proposal for a Hippocratic oath for data scientists, basically to say, uh, thou shall do no harm. And while fake news on social media may be a world away from scientific research, the proliferating use of machine learning in all fields certainly raises important ethical questions that should not be brushed aside. Uh, on behalf of CCC, I was also there to moderate a keynote panel on diversity in scholarly publishing, which Beyond the Book will feature as its podcast on Monday. When Beyond the Book returns, PW's Andrew Albanese reports on AAP's plans for a new mission. I'm Christopher Keneally with Copyright Clearance Center's Beyond the Book. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for CCC's Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly. It's Friday, February 9th, 2018. Our program today, Andrew, I guess could be retitled the AAP Week in Review, only because there has been plenty of news coming from the country's leading trade organization for book publishers. Indeed, PW reported this week that the AAP has announced a new mission statement. Now, mission statements are mostly important only internally at an organization, but this one made the news. So what do we really have here? A minor organizational tweak or maybe something more significant? Well, we're not entirely sure at this point, but you know, speaking for myself, I think this might be a big deal. Uh, as, as you well know, over the last year, AAP's new president and CEO, Maria Palante, has kept a little bit of a low profile media-wise, and you know, we're told that's on purpose. Uh, so I get the impression that things are about to change. You know, I know she's going to address the International Publishers Association meeting in India this weekend, uh, and you know, the mission statement from AAP seems to focus almost exclusively on intellectual property and copyright. You talk about a low profile. This new mission statement was actually approved in November, but we just heard about it recently and we're just, you know, allowed to sort of disseminate the news last week. Now, given what we know about Maria Palante's career, I don't know her at all personally, but she was, of course, the former Register of Copyrights, and I think it's fair to say sort of a polarizing figure during her tenure there. She was extremely well-liked and very well-respected within the content industries, not so much in the library groups and uh, public advocacy groups. And the new mission statement positions AAP as an organization focused on, and I'm going to quote here, matters of law and policy advocating for outcomes that incentivize the publication of creative expression, professional content, and learning solutions. And in a separate note to the various heads of houses, Palante commented on the current political and cultural climate and wrote that, not unlike the publishing industry, this is a time of great transformation for AAP, and I am personally very excited by the work we are undertaking in the future. So to me, that's a bit of a hint. When you write to the heads of the houses and say AAP is undergoing a great transformation, there may be a great transformation underway. <laughs> and on another note, um, something else to report is that the AAP has not renewed its lease here in New York City. So it's now pretty much just a Washington-based operation. Of course, Washington has always been where its main base has been, but you know, 
They always had a presence in New York City. They ran programs out of New York, and New York is where all the publishers are. So, of course, D.C. is where all the legislators are. So that also probably tells you something about the direction AAP is going to be going in. As for feedback on the mission statement so far, it's about what you'd expect. You know, the statement was approved unanimously by the AAP board, so publishers are cool with it. But we did hear from a number of other organizations that AAP used to work with on things like free speech and other programs. And they sent us notes that had some pretty sharp criticism for the change in the mission statement because it seems to scale back on some of the things like, as I said, the free speech mission and the freedom to publish part of the AAP's mission. So we're not really sure what this means for AAP programming. You know, we know they've always done some great stuff with libraries at the library conferences and at BEA here. But at this point, I just don't know what to say. We're going to have to see how this all plays out. Uh, Maria Polante certainly sees herself as an IP and copyright policy expert, so it's no surprise that she'd want to take AAP further in that direction. And it's even possible that given all the litigation and policy battles that AAP is already engaged with, I mean, it makes sense that they would get further into that. But, you know, publishers have a very broad cultural mission, as you well know, and you know, they're, they're not Hollywood. They're not the recording industry. Um, so I, I just wonder what direction they're really going to be going in in the future. And all I can say right now is we're just going to have to wait and see. Well, you mentioned the importance of library conferences, and, and not surprisingly for you, Andrew, that's an area that that you really always focus on here on this program and in your own writing. And uh, this weekend, there's a big one going on right now in Denver, the ALA Midwinter Meeting. Librarians head to that meeting with some potential good news uh, from Washington, a budget deal, a national federal budget deal. Tell us about that. Yeah, so last week after the State of the Union, I wrote a piece that basically said the budget battle was about to kick back up again. And this week, there was unexpected news of a big bipartisan break in the Senate. Uh, On Wednesday, Senate leaders unveiled the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, which is a two-year budget deal, and it raises spending caps by some $300 billion through fiscal year 2019. Uh, And this morning, and I mean early this morning, the bill passed the House and the Senate. And if you think that happened fast, let me tell you, you're right. You know, we now have a budget before the Trump administration has got a chance to issue its own budget blueprint for 2019, uh, which, of course, they're still likely to do. So, all right, so where's the good news for libraries in all of this? In a message to members on Monday, the Washington office of the ALA told librarians and library supporters that the Trump administration, uh, as it did in its fiscal year 2018 budget, was probably going to target library and arts funding. In fact, they thought it was going to be worse in the coming year. Uh, We expect draconian cuts to the library and education and other non-defense discretionary spending is what Kevin Marr from the ALA's Washington office reported. And they also believe that the IMLS, the the Institute for Museum and Library Services, was going to be proposed, they were going to propose to eliminate that outright once again. And the White House's fiscal 2019 budget was expected to just, you know, once again, eliminate virtually all library funding. Uh, And as Mars Post suggested, librarians were starting to gird for another tough budget battle and then this budget passed. And that has librarians feeling a lot more optimistic. So I got a a message from Jim Neal, who of course is the ALA president, who told me that although the top line budget numbers have been released, the details about library funding have not. And in the coming weeks, ALA is going to continue to advocate aggressively for funding for, for libraries. But Presumably a two-year budget deal that adds some $300 billion to the federal budget, they're probably going to be able to find and perhaps even add to the 
$136 million, which is a drop in the bucket that was requested for library funding. And it's worth noting that that $236 million figure, which includes funding for the IMLS, has already passed the House in the fiscal 2018 budget, and it has strong support in the Senate. Of course, anything is possible in today's climate. We'll see what comes out of the Twitter feed uh, in the coming days. Uh, and between the tax cuts and added spending, there obviously are some lawmakers that are losing their minds as annual deficits uh, climb over a trillion dollars again. Uh, but with potential good budget news for libraries on the horizon, now is not the time for supporters to relax. This is the message I've been getting from ALA this week, because let's see if libraries can do a little better. Uh, as Mar wrote in his post this week, the library community has to stay engaged and it has to ensure that Congress Congress hears from libraries and from library supporters on the importance of library funding. Well, we always hear from Andrew Albanese every Friday on Beyond the Book, and we thank you for your report this week, and we look forward to speaking to you next week, Andrew. My pleasure, as always. Coming next on Beyond the Book, on Thursday at the annual meeting of the Professional and Scholarly Publishing Division of the Association of American Publishers, a panel on diversity in PSP publishing organizations made the case that diversity is an opportunity for that community. If you do what you've always done, you will get what you've always gotten, panelists noted, and in 2018, that won't be nearly good enough. Mandy Hill, Managing Director of Academic Publishing at Cambridge University Press, conceded that CUP's claim to be the world's oldest publishing house isn't always something to trumpet. We used to start our adverts by saying, um, more or less, come and work for Cambridge University Press, we're the oldest university uh, uh, university publisher in, in the world, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm sure people got three words into that advert before thinking, that's not a place for me. The challenge of diversity in scholarly publishing, next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries RightsDirect and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book.